0: Brandeis University, welcome to Recall This Book, where we assemble scholars and writers from different disciplines to make sense of contemporary issues, problems, and events. I'm John Plotz, flying solo today, and my guest is the brilliant author and professor, Carla Rotella, of Boston College, author of at least six books that I know of. Is it six? Is that right? Do I have that right? I think so. Six. Okay. At least six. It depends Um, how you count. I co-authored a couple. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, I didn't count those. Among them, the amazing, and Carlo, this is how I came to know your work, Good With Their Hands, Boxers, Bluesmen, and other characters from the Rust Belt from 2002. And most recently, I haven't read this, but I'm really looking forward to it. The world is always coming to an end, pulling together and apart in a Chicago neighborhood. University of Chicago 2019. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Carlo, welcome. Thank you. Uh, So this is another installment in our fast-moving Books in Dark Times series, because the dark moves quickly, so we try to move quickly, too, which, as you probably know by now, explicitly takes its inspiration from Hannah Arendt's Men in Dark Times, which proposes that, quote, even in the darkest of times, we have the right to expect some illumination, and such illumination may well come less from theories and concepts than from the uncertain, flickering, and often weak light that some men and women in their lives and their works will kindle under almost all circumstances and shed over the time span that was given them on earth. So, okay, at a moment like this, we really wanna know what brings people like you, Carlo, and also like you, dear listener, comfort or joy. So draw up a chair and listen, and then maybe consider sending us your own thoughts about the books you're reading by Twitter or email or any other way you'd like to reach us. So. Carla, the only preparation I gave you was just to send you a couple of questions, which are more or less along the lines of, what are you reading that gives you comfort these days? What are you reading that gives you joy? And so can we just start there?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, the first thing to say is the idea is we're all supposed to have all this time to read, but mm-hmm. I, for one, haven't. Those of us learning to teach online have had a taste of what, like, the post-industrial job market actually looks like, you know, <laughs> which is you're on your email 27 hours a day, and figuring stuff out. And so uh, I've, yeah. I've been reading a little, I've been listening a lot Yeah, uh, books because I've been out running every day. You can still run, so. Yeah. For now. Yeah, yeah right. So <laughs> although I saw the California rules explicitly allow running. Right? Oh really? Uh, so uh, I've been listening a lot and I was thinking about your question and, and sort of where my instincts take me times like this and in a couple directions. One is I noticed that I like to listen to, I like to read old things like the Germanic, Germania of Tacitus and Icelandic sagas. And oh, wow. For I mean, yeah. one of the reasons I think that it's, it's I guess it's comforting in a way is that, you know, a lot of bad stuff has happened to a lot of people yeah. for a really long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it used to be worse in many ways. So I, I find myself going back to that stuff in all kinds of ways Yeah, and, and just not so much seeking out the travails of people in the past, but rather just reminding myself that you know, like cockroaches we've been around for a yeah. long time. And
0: and yeah. uh, and, we and so we, uh, take, the Germania, we take a licking and we keep on ticking.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The Germanias in particular I really like, because Tacitus is it's just kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing
0: what sticks. And it's like, well, I think this is what's going on in this place that, wow. you know, you don't really go to very much. right? Okay, so, Carlo, I'm... Because I I would love to talk about Icelandic sagas because I have I've I have read them and love them but I've never yep. read the Germania so can you just get, can you give a a lapidary account of it's just a kind there. of a quick survey yeah of this place
1: that Romans didn't know much about but were in, you know were fascinated by mm-hmm. because you know they they had enemies there. Um, and yeah. allies to some extent, and it's just a kind of a poetic survey. You know what's going on on the other side of those rivers, right? Oh wow! So that's not, it's not—it's not a war. It's not
0: an expedition. No, it's, it's like this
1: a... is what these people are like.
0: Yeah. Here's how they roll. Here's how they wear their hair. You know, things wow. like that, right? So um, it has—it's it's more. It has Herodotus behind it, not
1: Thucydides. Exactly. So it's—it's it's much more like this is what we know. And but the Icelandic sagas are are great for all kinds of reasons too, yeah. in that way. So that's one thing is that I find myself reading old things and and just reminders of sort of what life was like yeah in in another time the other thing and this is just like my pure comfort thing and i've been this has been true since i was a teenager which is in times like this i find myself reading pg woodhouse
0: oh my god yeah and the
1: remind and 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 and, and there you go. There's yours, right?
0: <laughs> Let the your... record show that John has a giant PG Woodhouse by his bed, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think the
1: reason for that is not only the sort of harmlessness of the world in which he operates, but also is that actually I think when I look for comfort and joy, I actually look for voice, not plot. I don't really care about plot. What I'm interested yeah. in is voice. So I, I want to read, you know, Charles Portis or the the fantasy and science fiction writer Jack Vance. What I want to hear is voice, literary yeah. voice. And I'm yeah. I'm utterly uninterested in plot. So actually watching movies, you know, everybody's supposed to be like sitting on their couch watching yeah. movies and TV shows. It really doesn't work for me because it's like, I don't want to see people with guns running back and forth. Right, right.
0: Um, or no, wait, 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 marriages. that's interesting. So do you feel like movies don't have a voice? Because I sometimes the filmmakers I really like. Like, I just taught It Happened One Night last night, and I mm-hmm. thought, oh yeah, this an, absolutely has a voice, you know? Yeah,
1: so Just so, text right, I, I, I agree world. with that, and I yeah. think it's not so much directors as it is genres, right? Yeah. So I would like, wanna watch a swashbuckler, or noir, or, mm-hmm. or a, a musical, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But what I don't want is like the so-called golden age of cable TV you know it's sort of yeah. supposedly this golden age of TV we're having which is like a lot of people with guns running around which I'm not so interested in and and I guess the other the last thing I'll just say as like a general thing is what I'm not interested in yeah what I have no craving for is critique you know uh-huh. I have no craving for like yeah. astute takes on what's wrong you know uh-huh. with the, you can get that at the office you know yeah and I, I, yeah. I guess I just feel like you know the newspapers around for that and you know so a lot of people say at a moment like this in our business a lot of people say I go to, I go to my favorite critic
0: you know, yeah. or I go to whatever, and I just I have no interest in that. No yeah, way. I think I'm with you on that one. But wait, okay, so can we start pulling some threads in common, So just to start, okay, so, so Germania. I love what you're saying about it, but I don't I don't know enough to respond to it. But the sagas, what I hear you saying, are you thinking about like Njal's Saga? Would that be a good example? Because that's or
1: Eagle like a- Saga, or yeah. the or the I like the you know I just re-listened to the the poetic Edda and the prose Edda, uh-huh. you know, yeah, and Volsung, you know, all that Volsunga, all that, all that right. stuff including the grim stuff, you know, like yeah. an axe time, a sword time, you yeah. know, like yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. For, for three years right. and all that, right?
0: Well, what I was going to say about that, what I remember about the Icelandic ones is that there's this unbelievable sense of humor in the grimness, you know, so somebody will say to somebody else, like, well, how is my brother doing? And the other person will say, well, you know, not that well, considering I left an axe in the back of his head the last time I saw him.
1: <laughs> and then, and then... And then drop a, a few lines of, of satiric verse. Yeah. Because you know, right. like the, one of the best ways to score points is to have some verses ready to roll. Yeah. It, you know, right. I like that. Right. I like how legalistic they are, you know. They're the, very after legalistic. After you split the guy's skull, then you yeah. immediately declare, I have split this guy's skull and here's how like i I've built a loophole to get out of right. you know, right. paying the full price that I have to and all that. I like all that stuff. And I just love the way that, that it always begins with like there was you know, a woman named this, or there was a man named yeah. that. This is who their parents were, and this is where they lived, and this is the farm yeah. they were on, and this is how many like animals were on the farm, and yeah. just kind of everybody gets laid out, you know, and then yeah. and then they and then they go from there. And so, as much as they're fantastic tales, they're also just sort of hard-boiled social realism, right, right. Uh, in a, about a very hard-boiled time.
0: You about know? a very hard-boiled time. I mean, because I was gonna that's that's the thing I was gonna ask is whether because I want to get back to Woodhouse because I'm actually reading *Brideshead Revisited* right now, which is right so Waugh is kind of sits next to Woodhouse, not exactly right. the same, but that's not a very grim time. That's like a rather jolly time. And I wonder about the connection between, like books that can be very jolly about, you know, the gay jazz age are one right. kind of comfort. And then books that can be funny about utter misery, the way that Icelandic sagas are, like that's a different kind of uh, Absolutely. Humor. I'd
1: say when I'm up for facing things, Icelandic sagas. Yeah. When I just yeah. need to, you know, decompress. Uh, when yeah. I just need, you know, essentially to like, you know, read read a Calvin and Hobbes collection, you know, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is, right? Yeah. Then that's that's the role the Woodhouse really. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but way. so
0: speaking, but so speaking of the way that the sagas work and that kind of matter of fact laying out the world, I have to ask you about this book Iceland's Bell. Do you know it by Haldor Laxness? No. I do not. Do, do, he also wrote that one called, I think it's called Ordinary People or something. Does that ring a bell? He's like, he won the Nobel Prize, but he's, mm-hmm. um, it, I don't know, I love it. It's it's an attempt to do a modern, I'm trying to look up the name of his other big novel because I bet you will have heard of it. It's, it's a, The other one is just about a sheep farm in the 1920s. I think right. it's called. I think it's fair to say that I am at least a thousand years out of date on my okay. Icelandic literature. All right, well, so we're gonna forget about the other, which I don't even like, but Iceland, Iceland's Bell, it's like set in maybe 13th century Iceland when it's just completely ruled by Denmark and there's no, you know, there's, there's, it's it's a totally abject place. And it's like, there's only one thing of value in the entire country, which is this bell that was in the cathedral. And it's the saga of the recovery of the bell. But it's, I love it because it's a 20th century,
1: Reimagining
0: of the saga? Well, I'm world. a big
1: fan of 20th century writers who try to appropriate some of that rhythm. But here's one that might come as a bit of a curveball, which is, I find that I really, I take some, I don't know what the word is, it's neither comfort nor joy, but it's related yeah. to both. I take yeah. some sort of satisfaction from reading about really terrible people. It's just <laughs> fictional or not, you know, just uh-huh. behaving awfully. Um, uh-huh. I just... I was listening to this investigative reporters, these pair of investigative reporters wrote a book about, it's called Broken Faith, and it's about the word of faith ministry in North Carolina. And the uh-huh. woman who ran it, Jane Whaley, was just the worst person you could ever imagine. You know, uh-huh. just just awful. Yeah. And there's something, I don't know what the word is, not joyful, not comforting, but there's something like, yeah. you're sort of like, ah, homo sapiens, they still got it. You know, yeah. like, there's something about just reading about a truly awful, right. selfish right. person, right. when you're trying to, get along with your neighbors and, yeah. and not be a jerk and, you know, yeah. and, and, and sort of count to 10 and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it just, there's something sort of emotionally liberating about, yeah. about that. But this woman, Jane Whaley would do things like, she, she would do things like when two parishioners got married, she would not let them have sex. Yeah. And they would have to call and get permission, but they did have to go home and go to bed together and yeah. then she'd be like but don't have sex you know yeah. like you're not allowed to and and she yeah. would and she was she she just like got into people's business you know, yeah at a level of un- i guess it's what what the the principle the thing that is satisfying is unreasonableness yeah you because know? we're all having to be so reasonable you know right. like do not don't hoard groceries right. Right, don't, right 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 don't right right don't right be hurt with your neighbors and you know all that kind of thing and it's like I just there's there's something just like it's like, it's like taking a tremendous guitar
0: solo, you know, to just yeah. be awful. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you read that Scientology book, Going Clear? Which yeah. I love. Yeah. But <laughs> so, it, and, and some of the same weeks. So I actually don't usually like reading about people's suffering. And it was painful to me to read yeah. about those basements and like the ways that people yeah. got into these abject, you know, credit, financial indebtedness to the church, which then could only be paid off by like being locked into a basement but yeah i mean there's something it, 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 there's something about that notion of the quiet desperation that's going on all around you or the loud desperation and now yeah. we're in a moment where we were we are all genuinely desperate you know like this is a desperate time for the entire world so maybe there's something about being able to look at those moments when oh look it's so cute there were only like 30 people who were locked in a basement <laughs> not the entire fucking world being locked into that and also, like, and also, like, you could make it
1: better by just expunging the awful person. Yeah. You know, like, there's sort of a target, you know. Uh, and, and let me just point out that Jane Whaley is sort of like, picture someone who said, you know, Scientology, the problem with Scientology is those people are too understanding, too reasonable, <laughs> and too friendly, you know. Oh, my God, like I Jean, have to
0: read this book. Okay.
1: Their main technique was called blasting. And uh-huh. so what blasting is, is when they decide you are sinful in some way, which is anything, you know, yeah. anything at all. They they all stand one inch away from you and scream as loud as they can to drive the devils out of you for hours. But then they had this wrinkle. They were like, well, that's okay, but that's not really blasting. So they uh-huh. would just beat the hell out of you. They would just, you know, <laughs> punch you in the face and knock you down. It was just uh-huh. like, it's like insulting a mobster in a bar and they all stomp you. And it's not, unrelated i mentioned charles portis the guy who wrote yeah. true grit and who wrote yeah gringos uh it's not unrelated to that that he has great unreasonable characters and mm-hmm. i i i value unreasonableness in a literary character yeah. you know I, i'm not much for like learning and growing and art yeah. and all that stuff and hugging it out but i really
0: like just Un- selfish
1: unreasonableness.
0: In the case. Yeah. Do you like that in Cormac McCarthy where it kind of gets taken to an extreme? I mean, there's a kind of mannered Baroque unreasonableness in humor. Yeah.
1: Well, so mannered Baroque unreasonableness, I like. Complete, utter, surgical lack of a sense of humor is less yeah. satisfying. I mean, I think a writer needs a little
0: bit of a sense I of humor. And he's got nothing.
1: No, yeah. well, I mean, at the Blood Meridian yeah. might have a little bit it's of It's a... hard to tell.
0: It's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, like, I have no craving to read Cormac McCarthy. So Thomas right. Broder... Also, I've never read him. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Specializes in completely selfish, unreasonable characters.
0: Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Which is
1: what Neighbors is. Neighbors yeah. is the story of, a, of, like, the neighbors just sort of move in on these people's life, you know. And uh, oh. it got made great. into a fairly strange movie by Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Anyway. Uh-huh. So. There are other writers who, uh-huh. who have that quality. And then the yeah. one who really has that quality, this, this, uh, this fantasy and science fiction writer named Jack Vance, who, who yeah. I've, sort of, uh, I've written about and I'm a big fan yeah. of. Um,
0: yeah.
1: He's just, he's fantastically good at hostile encounters between strangers where there's no obvious reason for the hostility. You know, uh-huh. you come into the, you know, you're, you're staying in an inn, it's, you know, some fantasy novel, he doesn't care. About yeah. the fantasy at all. Yeah, he, he's not interested. He just likes to have his characters travel around and run yeah. into jerks, right? Yeah. So you you come into the you come into the hotel, let's say, and there's a scene like this. A, a guy comes into an office, and the and and the clerk ignores him. And then the next guy comes into the office, and the clerk immediately serves the other guy. Yeah. And the first guy says, like, "How come you didn't? You know, why didn't you serve me first? I was yeah. here first. And the, and yeah. and the clerk is like, "Well, that scheme has a certain naive simplicity, and it's, very, <laughs> and it's just absolutely." unmotivated nastiness for no reason. <laughs> yeah. I do like that.
0: Yeah. And and
1: in and, and, and keeping with our theme, for whatever the reason, I want that more now. I am so much more interested in world thinking yeah. than I am in plot, yeah. I am in, in ideology. Yeah, me too. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, that's why P.G. Woodhouse, that's why the, the Bertie Wooster series, which I am, I think, I seem to have started at the beginning, and I'm just going to do the whole thing. Oh,
0: good, yeah.
1: Which takes you like the whole middle chunk of the 20th century, right? Uh-huh. Even though it always feels like it's 1926, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. right? You know, it's a it's a pretty simple world; it doesn't have a lot of moving parts, right? And and it's a world created entirely by the
0: narrating voice. That's the whole thing, right? I'm just I'm looking at publication dates as you say that because now I'm interested in whether oh yeah, so it's it's like *Brideshead* because a lot of them are 1940s books written yeah like joy in the morning is 1947. but right, the first so they, one
1: is like 1919 right
0: yeah right but they, so they i like 19, to remind it's myself like, it's like the hardy boys they're always 17 years old
1: but i like to remind myself that that so that first one he was writing during the flu pandemic
0: yeah right yeah. so
1: you know this thing uh, i'm going to for shelter yeah from our current one he it was, was writing while people were dropping all around him you know shelter, uh, yeah and and so but that you know what it's sort of the same pleasure a little bit as a comic strip that you follow. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. a big reader of the newspaper comics. I've always loved newspaper comics. And, uh, and it's a little bit that same thing It's like, what are the moving parts that, you know, like if you read The Wizard of Id, there's like the balcony where the king gives his speeches. Yeah, there's yeah. the dungeon. Yeah, uh, there is where the, the wizard's workshop. There's yeah, not that yeah, many yeah. places. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and the and the, and the, the Bertie Wooster's world, there's like there's his flat wherever it is. There's a couple of country houses that he goes to. Yeah. There's, totally. there's a couple of music halls and that's it. And there's something about the economy of a world like that. And just coming off of your point about reading slower, I think there's something about the economy of a world like that, 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 that you know it so well, that you wanna linger. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that's another reason why reading fantasy and science fiction, or going back and reading the original Robert E. Howard Conan short uh-huh. story, you know? yeah, like yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that world, and I've known that world since I was 12. Right. And. Robert E. Howard's Conan stories do not lack for regrettable features in the yeah. way he thinks about other human beings. Yeah. But they swing. The language swings, and I know that world, and I know how it works. And yeah. just knowing how it works, it's like, you know, it's like a city you travel to frequently. It's like, yeah. oh, I-, I love walking down that street in the way it yeah. opens into that square.
0: So that was actually, I was going to have, I had kind of a pivot to a last set of questions, which are about childhood reading. But maybe we could just jump right in with kind of the big question, which is, like, when you go back to childhood reading, is it with a sense that you're gonna get back that childhood completeness of the world or is it that would be like the naive reading or is it more like what the sentimental reading where you're aware of the gap? Like, oh, I liked it in one way as a kid, but now that I come back as an adult, I like it in a totally different way.
1: Well, first of all, I'd like to point out we have been talking about my childhood oh, that's
0: <laughs> <true>. <laughs> Okay. Good. When the
1: seventies, when the nineteen seventies yeah. really got down on me, you know, when yeah. I made too many chemical mistakes, PG Woodhouse was there to mm-hmm. So I would say not I don't think so much the sentimental one is I think it's sort of like the feng shui of those worlds. You know, yeah. it's it's the it's the familiarity of the of the world thinking, the voice that it's sort of like uh, Jack Vance has a character who travels with a portable hole with him, you know, so then when uh-huh. he's being pursued, he just climbs <laughs> in the portable hole. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's a little bit like that. It's like, it, it, of course, now what happens to that guy is instructive, which is he's being pursued by a guy named Chun the Unavoidable. Uh-huh. And, and uh, Chun the Unavoidable never actually does anything except be uh-huh. unavoidable. And so the guy gets in his portable <laughs> hole. And once he's in his portable hole in like no space, this uh-huh. voice at his elbow says, I am Chun the Unavoidable. <laughs> so, so it's a comfort, but it's not an absolute comfort. Right uh-huh. I, I really do I really do think it's that the, the universe is the universe is bigger. There's more adjunct pieces of it and yeah. than the one we're in right now, and that these yeah.
0: pieces are to be lingered in. So I see. So in other words, the universe is bigger, the the universe of any one world, does of any one book, doesn't have to be bigger. It's just like, you need to know that they're out there.
1: You yeah. need to know that there's other rooms, you know? And and, yeah. and and to come back to where we started, I think that's also true by going back and reading much older things. Going back and reading Tacitus right. and reading the sagas is to say that the, the world that we're living in is more sort of spatially expansive because there's all this other world thinking. And then yeah. it's also more expansive in time yeah. than we usually keep in the forefront of our mind. Right. And to say like, you know, Uh, It just, I guess it's a way to make it bigger so that you aren't feeling trapped. And I think people are feeling a little trapped,
0: you know. Okay, recall this book is hosted by John Plotz and usually Elizabeth Ferry, with music by Eric Chaslow and Barbara Cassidy. Sound editing is by Claire Ogden, website design and social media by Kaliska Ross. We always want to hear from you with your comments, your criticism, and most of all right now with the reading that you're doing for comfort or for joy purposes. Uh, Finally, if you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to write a review or rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Check out our other Books in Dark Time conversations and also conversations with uh, such writers from our previous episodes as Zadie Smith, Xi Shen Liu, and Samuel Delaney. So, Carla, thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. Um, And thank you all for listening.